Welcome back to another episode of Recap, the podcast where we talk about the latest news featured on our social media pages. Uh, this is the news we've gathered that matters most to our voters. And of course, we encourage legislators to not only listen, but to also act on what they hear. As always, I am your host, Joshua Hyde. And with me is our analyst, Alex Crohannon, and our writer, Anthony Orr. Hey, Anthony, how are you guys doing today? Pretty good, man. Uh, hanging out with family, watched Hamilton, so that was fun. Oh yes, Hamilton's a. I forgot that. That's a, that is on Disney Plus now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it was, uh, my wife and I recently recently sat down and watched it. It was great. Yeah. Nice. Alexander nice. Crohannon. <laughs> oh, okay. Yep, we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alex, man. Other than Hamilton, how you doing? Do uh doing well, all things considered. <laughs> Good. Good to hear. Good to hear. So let's get into business, gentlemen. Anthony. Tell me about our polls. All right. So the, uh, so the poll I'm doing today is uh, on July 3rd, we did a poll asking, can the social consequences of the lockdowns ever outweigh the public health benefits? Um, <clears throat> so we posed the question uh, before the conversation about the schools opening had really like exploded onto everybody's radar. Uh, and I think at that point, there was still a belief. A lot of people, I think, still had the belief that we were kind of going to go back to normal uh, at the end of this month, beginning of next month, kids go back to school, people go back to kind of start working again. Um, and I think when we did the poll, we saw a lot of people really kind of struggled uh, to, to walk the tightrope. You know, you don't want to give an answer that sounded inhumane, but I think everyone acknowledged that there was real consequences to staying in the lockdown for a long time. So things have shifted since then. In the 16 days since we did the question, daily cases have gone up to higher numbers than we saw at the beginning of all this. Multiple cities now kind of look like New York uh, in March. Rural America has slowly started to see more cases. And the idea of going back to something approaching normal seems really remote to us now. So I chose this question for today because I think we are now starting to realize that the trade-off we asked about 16 days ago that question is going to be with us for the foreseeable future. We're going to be talking a lot about trade-offs between public health and social consequences and what are we going to do about the kids and what are we going to do about the businesses. We're going to be asking this question amongst each other every day, every week. Voters are still going to be asking this question in November. And they're really hard questions. And I want all of us and I want our audience to be thinking about how we should answer these questions how would you like your neighbors to answer these questions? And how do you want your elected officials to answer these questions? Start thinking about these answers now because we're going to keep asking them for months and months and months. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to kind of circle back to a question we asked then because it's gonna remain relevant for a long time. And that's, that's the poll. Nice. Well, that, that is definitely something we want to keep on people's brains, especially as we are getting into the, the possibility of uh, sending children back to school and navigating that in all of our different communities and such. But Alex, go ahead and talk to us about some of the trends going on. All right. Um, so we have two uh, big stories over the past couple of weeks. Um, the first and foremost is um, what Anthony kind of spoke to is uh, let's talk about Corona, some of the coronavirus right now. Um, as of today, um, we stand, per the CDC, we stand at 3,630,587 cases in the, uh, across the nation. 
Dang. with 74,710 cases reported today. Today. That's crazy. Um, our total deaths is uh, 138,782 um, with 918 new deaths reported today. Oh, <laughs> damn. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. Um, it's it's heartbreaking. It absolutely yep. is. Um, so, uh, say, if you break that down uh, state by state, there are now uh, 32 states with over 40,000 cases. Including Indiana. Wow. Huh. Well, we're running out of states, gentlemen. <laughs> yes, we are. Oh, boy. The, now, the positive positive um bit on this is that uh the number of deaths from coronavirus has trended down week for week while we're seeing an increase in cases it's not translating to an immediate increase in deaths yet that's that yes yet yes uh but that is that is at least good to hear that's, some, that's something more than the downer we started with <laughs> Yes. Um, so uh, the second thing, um, and this is uh, not oh, unlike um, regular trends where I say where I tend to like, uh, really delve into like a single story. This is um, more like an actual trend. Um, and uh, notably, like the number, uh, a dramatic increase in the fascist actions taken by the Trump administration. Fascist, huh? Hmm? Fascist? Yes, fascist, you know, like um, actions taken by the government to further facilitate government power. So um, examples. So uh, let's look at um, coming out of Portland, Oregon, right? Where federal officers in unmarked vehicles would say picked up people, demanded that they get into cars, and then take them to unmarked locations or undisclosed locations, my mis um, slight caveat. And uh, they did this without, um, let's say without records and uh, they weren't formally arrested so they couldn't call lawyers. So they were really being denied due process despite being picked up by, you know, what presumably some type of law enforcement agency. That's problematic. Um, yes, it is. Putting it mildly, yes. Um, yeah. So uh, okay, so let's uh, and and that alone is we'll say is worth noting, but not I say uh, not overly alarming. But let's couple that with um, the Trump administration um, ordering hospitals to bypass the CDC and to just report and stop reporting it to the CDC and only reporting to um, a special um, cabinet from the White House. So again, we're seeing consolidation of federal responsibilities from the agencies that were created to handle these and moving that power towards the central location at the White House or the people directly um, within the president's sphere of influence. Yeah, I see where yeah, you're going with troubling. that. That's troubling. All right. Um, and then uh, let's, uh, let's talk about Goya. So uh, for those of you, uh, let's say, um, un uninitiated, 
Uh, Goya is a uh, large is a one of the is the largest Hispanic-owned business in the United States. Um, it does a lot of um, it pro it produces and sells a lot of um, his like Hispanic food, beans, um, uh, say uh, say uh, corn, salsa, things like that. I'm certain they do more, but I. Um, I was unfamiliar with the brand until just recently. As were um, most of us, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fair. Uh, and the uh, say the C the CEO sparked controversy con sparked controversy um, when he said that the United uh, United States is um, grateful to have such a strong president as tr um, as President Trump. That sparked yeah. like, so that um. So obviously, uh, like I said, sparked controversy, and then um, Ivanka Trump, uh, say, <laughs> tweeted a photo of herself holding a can of Goya beans to like to support the brand, which is against ethic violations. And then Donald Trump did the same thing. What, wasn't that in the Oval Office, like yes, while he yes. was sitting in his presidential yes. chair? Yes, it, it was. was. <laughs> and again, and um, and. Again, acting to say acting to say um to use the power of his office to support a company that supported him politically. <laughs> yeah, to support beads. To support <laughs> to beads. Support beads. <laughs> guys, guys, don't don't get us shut down. They do a lot more than just beans. No, they do. They, they do. Uh, they do. They do a lot more than beans. It's a weird story. It is. It's a weird story. It's a weird reflection of like where we are. That, um, so it's a weird reflection of where we are. That it's sort of exploded into an actual thing. Uh, yeah. For 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 brevity's sake, I'll just leave it there. Yeah, that's that's something we can maybe <laughs> dig into some other time because it, there's not only a lot to unpack there, but there's actually a lot that goes behind it that people may not be paying. Yep. Attention. Yep. Um, so that's definitely something that we we may be able to highlight in a future discussion, or maybe even on another episode of Recap. That's but great. Uh, <laughs> true. So uh, let's go ahead and dig into it. What I want to go ahead and cover are some of the most recent, uh, most recently added things on the website because that, or another website, but the the post the mm, Facebook page. I can't use words today. You're killing me, Alex. Uh, along with my bad team. Uh, it's okay. Along with something else that, that I, I wanted to, to go ahead and go over with you, Anthony, but we'll get there when we get there. Now, the first thing that I wanted to cover, which is, I believe, still one of the, uh, the most or one of the most uh, recently posted uh, articles on the website are seven currently in America ties to slavery that most people don't actually know. And things like this are very interesting to read uh, because you as a person who exists in America don't always understand the history behind a lot of the things that you see or interact with. And I just want to go ahead and go over those because I think that they are wonderful to know. So if you guys haven't already read this, I'll go ahead and go through it with you. But there are, there are seven things effectively that I want to go, I want to go ahead and cover here. First, uh, New York Life Insurance's predecessor company insured the lives of slaves for their owners to uh, protect business profits. That's the thing. Um, Yale University was named after a slave trader. Uh, I, I, I hope I'm going to say this right. Elena Yale. Um, 
along with that, though, several prestigious universities also had ties, including Harvard, Princeton, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, University of Virginia, and even Georgetown University. So it's something, even if you may not always see it or understand that it's there, it's something that's very much ingrained into especially all of our old faculties. So be keeping in mind things that are going on. And when some people, especially the people who are calling to cancel Yale, uh, keep in mind that a lot of this is coming from uh, large, large amounts of time and a lot of feelings involved in this. Along with that, CSX Transportation owns a railroad that was built by slaves. That's another trend. Here's one that's not necessarily as bad. Jack Daniel from the Jack Daniels brand. Um, he actually learned how to make whiskey from a slave who was named uh, Nathan Nearest Green. However, a lot of you who are whiskey enthusiasts will also know uh, of the brand named Uncle Nearest that has recently come into light um, as of late. Uncle Nearest as a, as a brand was uh, emerged effectively in Nearest's honor. And uh, Jack Daniels, the company, has never really been um, silent about Jack Daniels's uh, relationship to Nearest. And that's actually a really interesting story if you wanna go ahead and read about that. I'm pretty sure you could find the basics of it on uh, their their website, which I'm pretty sure is even more relevant right now given all the Black Lives Matter things going on uh, at the moment. Now, not to go back into downers, but the White House and the Capitol building were both built by slaves. That's a thing. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Michelle Obama made a big deal about this back in 2016. I believe <laughs> she did. Um, yeah, and that's that's something that's definitely worth looking into. If you didn't already know about that, that was a that was a fun little bit of news uh, that was you know traversing around the internet around that point in time. And then, of course, the big one, George Washington himself. Um, I don't personally know whether or not he was a slave owner, but I know that he had at the very least several like of his teeth. Um, this is a very common fact that's been thrown out a lot, especially on the internet nowadays, but George Washington had slave teeth uh, that he used to supplant his own teeth. But not only just that, he also signed, here, where is it? There it is. He also signed the Fugitive Slave Act of 1793, which is effectively the piece of legislation that allowed slave owners to capture freed slaves and continue to force them to work. So yeah, yeah. there's a lot there. Yeah. There's a lot there. Um, <laughs> there's a lot there. I'll say um, some of this uh, is is not uh, some of this stuff I knew, so not surprising. Some of it I didn't know. Uh, the stuff about the railroad, I just kind of like very. I don't know. That one just struck me as like, man, like of course slaves built the railroad. Like, right? Why wouldn't they have? You know, like of course. Um, but it also disproves the thing that I, the, the big takeaway for me from all seven of those um, is there's a myth that slavery uh, was something limited to the South, but that's just, that's just not true. Hmm. Like you name multiple things that are Northern. And I think people kind of need to reanalyze the way that slavery benefited uh, the North and was an integral part of everything. So I mean, there's lots of people who say that, that slave labor built this country, like, yep. in its entirety, not even just the way that they would have built actual structures, but, like, they helped to create what became our economy and a lot of other things that are still either used or valued today. That's the thing. Yep. But no, very fascinating stuff. 
I enjoyed oh. seeing that one put up. For people who are paying attention, I just realized that there was one that I left out. That was six facts. There were supposed to be seven. Um, the seventh is actually that Wall Street, you all know Wall Street. Uh, Wall Street was actually a slave market between 1711 and 1762. Yeah, that sounds about right. Doesn't it? <laughs> Speaking about the yeah. economy. So yeah. Yeah, like that's that's why like a lot of these things aren't being targeted for no reason. Like I, I know that a lot of people look at these things and go like, why is everything being canceled or everything else along those lines? Or you know, people are confused about the outrage that people feel right now. And like I said before, I just want you to understand that this is coming from a place, a place that has been long since pushed down and effectively not allowed to be shared by society yep. before we had social media and people who were willing to listen. So. Yep. Like, all this stuff isn't new. It's just now being seen. Well, I guess I'll add on. I'm going to have an addendum to this. Uh, because I think something that's really fascinating, and you see it with a lot of the points that you brought up, is it? We, basically, we teach everything in this country. Everything pre-Civil War, we basically don't really teach. We almost start history right at the Civil War, which is convenient because that's when the North and South we're doing their whole, you know, split thing. But the country started like, like the first slaves got here in 1619. And so yep. there's a lot of history before the Civil War where slaves were building the entire country for the North and the South. But because we only started the Civil War, we can conveniently tell the fiction that the North wasn't participating in it. We're like, wait a minute, you know, uh, the slave laws, the Fugitive Slave Acts, those were all things. The slave codes, um, I know this stuff kind of recently because I'm working on a piece right now about some of this. So like the slave codes existed in all the states, the North ones too. Um, so people should look at the history of the country before the Civil War if they want to get a more accurate picture of what slavery actually looked like. Yes, especially here in America. Yep. Because like a lot of people will acknowledge the fact that the slave trade happened because it wasn't just here, yep. but a lot of people refuse to acknowledge the part that America played in it. Yep. So that's the thing. I just wanted to go talk about that. That was actually a really fun thing to read. Uh, if you want more information like that, like I'm saying at the end of all these, check out the check out the uh, the Facebook page. We have a, we share articles there all the time about things both happening in America and things that are just useful to know, things that you should be thinking about. Um, the second thing I wanted to talk about uh, is uh, uh, Josh. Josh, before, you, before you hold on, um, I thought it was interesting that the article only talked about um, American slaves in America, like impact on America, um, like. If you, uh, you don't have to look very hard to find um, that American companies are still benefiting from slavery around the world, slavery and child labor around the world. Um, uh, you don't have to go any further than um, Nestle, uh, Hershey, and Mars, like the, the large co um, chocolate companies. They get their cocoa um, from the Ivory Coast, um, and those farmers are um, almost exclusively um, male children, um, and sometimes slaves. Yep. That is true. I didn't even think to mention that. So absolutely, that's another angle that's definitely worth looking into and absolutely oh. worth keeping in mind as we're uh, moving through this stuff. So oh, thanks yeah. for bringing that up. Oh, it's very bad. Uh, <laughs> people should go look at the history of the term banana republic. <laughs> 
Also true. Company, yes. company that you now know as Chiquita, they were using uh, essentially slave labor. And, and that, just go, go look up Banana Republic in Chiquita and uh, have some fun with that, people. <laughs> Absolutely. So the next thing I want to go ahead and uh, cover is, is another article that's on the page, but it's also something we touched on just a little bit earlier, and that's uh, things happening in Portland. Now, um, effectively, we already know what's, what's happening there. You know, federal agents, these are federal agents, by the way, um, you know, they're, they're confronting and detaining protest, protesters. And the, the thing I want to go ahead and mention here is that many of them, I believe 13 of them in specific, are, have already been charged with actual crimes related to disrupting demonstrations and treatments of protesters. So that's the part I wanted to go ahead and add about that is that there, there are 13 already uh, documented and committed crimes that are happening here that have yet to be brought to justice. So I just wanted to go ahead and throw on that because that, that just adds another layer on top of everything that's already happening. And I mean, to be honest, has been happening for a little while uh, over in Portland specifically. Yep. Yeah, uh, that's a part of the story. I'll, so I'll also give a little background here. Um, as late as three years ago, they were actually having these outbreaks between uh, far left and far right groups. We're actually kind of going at it in the streets of Portland. It's, it's happened multiple times over the last three years. Um, they've clashed. There's been cops that had to break them up. There's been arrests made. There's been stabbings. Uh, it, it has gotten violent on the streets of Portland. Uh, if you just if you just Google it, you'll see articles from 2017 talking about the, the groups clashing on the streets. So some of what you're seeing now from the federal government is is a response to like three years of steady escalation into something approaching much more violent kind of crazy territory in that city in particular but it's also we we do a lot of a lot of joking on this podcast we try to have as much fun with this stuff as we can because it's serious stuff portland is a snapshot of what's coming for the rest of the country if we don't put a lid on the crazy levels of tension and 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 madness and divisiveness that's out there Portland is a snapshot of what's coming. The stuff that was happening three years ago, four years ago in Portland, that is now escalated to like where the government is like snatching people off the streets, that will come to your city. And if you don't think it could, ask to it, go read what was happening in Portland and just imagine if that comes to your city three or four years down the road, it'll be your neighbors and friends getting snatched off the streets too. And this is not a... It, it's not a joking matter. Um, Portland has gone under the radar. Maybe it's because it's Northwest and the time zone stuff and the media doesn't cover Portland. I don't know how it's gone kind of uncovered, but it has been crazy in the streets of Portland for like three years. So please people take what the government's doing seriously and take it as a warning to not let your city uh, turn into that. So well, and, uh, and it's not just, um, it's not just, I mean, so this incident was Portland, right? But like, yep. uh, the, like the violence is isn't just limited to yep. Portland. Uh, what was it? Um, they were looking at a uh, cap and trade bill. Um, uh, say a few years ago, uh, and one of the and the state senator responded. Um, sorry, the mayor said that he was going to send um, the the police to go pick up 
um, them and escort them to the and escort them to the Capitol to have this vote. And he said, um, you know, tweeted, "Send bachelors and come heavily armed. I'm not going to be a political prisoner in the state of Oregon. It's just that simple." Yep. Wow. So uh, yep. that, Yeah, an Oregonian senator threatening Oregonian uh, law enforcement. Yeah, that's that's not funny. Um, it's it's not. And. Uh, it's just a lot happening. There's a lot, but to keep in 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 line with all the uh, the downer things happening right now, uh, there is a there's another article here that if we'll, if we'll continue to move down the uh, page here, there was another article shared about a kindergarten teacher uh, named Shalvira Zalfrind, uh, who actually contracted coronavirus and died at 64. But the main reason why we're telling this story is because two weeks prior, she uh, sent, I believe it was a WhatsApp message to all the people in her kindergarten group warning the parents that some people have been refusing effectively to uh, heed the government's warnings or orders about uh, people who I've either been in contact with someone who has uh, been positive or people who are generally around like in the, in the family of uh, people who have contacted or have uh, been tested positive and are still doing things like going to kindergarten classes. Like people are sending their children to school effectively sick still, even in this pandemic. And that leads to people dying uh, as we've clearly seen with this teacher here. And I just wanted to highlight that because I, I believe, especially given right now, with all the things we're talking about, you know, schools possibly reopening and the, the difference between going online or going in person and everything else, there are people who will still ignore the warnings, the orders, the everything, and then send their children to school for whatever the reason may be. And in my mind, that's only more reason to just keep them at home or to do learning online. But that's what, what's happening at school is a, a much different conversation that we're going to have to have a different day because there's yes. a lot to unpack there, too. Um, so the last thing I want to go ahead and cover, Anthony, is actually uh, an article that you wrote, because every, every time we, we have these, they're both featured on the Facebook page. And of course, we see them on the website. So this is a shameless plug to make you go look at our website because we post things there, too. But Anthony, Anthony. Um, yeah, an article that you put here about John Lewis. Talk to me about that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I'm assuming that most people listening to this are are probably aware that John Lewis, uh, John Lewis recently died, and you know my my article that I wrote. Uh, feel, please feel free to go check it out. We would we would appreciate it. I would appreciate it. Um, is looking at his life, and. It is a combination of the sort of, you know, uh, glittering profiles that I talk about, you know, the, the, the sort of hero worship that's appropriate when, when someone who really was a, a living legend and a hero dies. But it also is looking at if we're going to honor his life, the, the best way to do it is by continuing the work that he started um, because he himself never stopped the work. He never he, he never paused. He never settled. Um, he didn't take time off. He, you know, he, he didn't get, he didn't achieve civil rights and say, I've done my work. My, my, my work here is done. He kept the work going. And it's important that when we try to honor uh, people like that lives, you know, when we honor the life of a John Lewis, we continue the work that we know there's going to be frustration. There's going to be defeat. He was beaten 
you know, he had his skull fractured for the work. Um, there's going to be losses. That's part of the process. You're going to lose. You're going to lose a lot, but you keep going. Um, and so I just wanted to, you know, what, so what I wrote is really trying to encourage people to follow his example by doing the work. That's the best thing you can do. So uh, like I said, feel free to go, go, go check the piece out. Um, there's more stuff in there, but, but uh, thanks for the shout out, by the way, man. I, I, I do appreciate that. Not a problem. I, I thought I'd go ahead and do it since it was something that was fairly recently featured and, and it's, yeah. it's definitely worth reading. I've read it myself and it's, it's something that gives you a lot to think about, especially in today's current uh, Black Lives Matter and everything else climate. So yep. uh, that's what I really wanted to focus on. Some, some really pressing stories um, and a couple of things that are very relevant to the current goings on uh, of America, whether that's dealing with Portland, the coronavirus, because, you know, that's going to be relevant forever. Um, and then obviously everything that's uh, happening with Trump. So uh, as always, this podcast is brought to you in part by El Yag Productions, a studio for both podcasters and musicians. And as always, Pointcast News. Uh, to listen to any of our other podcasts, please go to our website at pointcast.news, or you can find us on Apple Pointcast or Apple Podcasts. I wish we had Apple Podcasts. Fun. Um, also, be sure to like us and follow us on our Facebook page. Like I said before, that's the greatest way to uh, see all the different articles we post there. And I promise you everything that we, we put there is uh, it's fact-checked and it's vetted to make sure that it's, it's information worth reading. So definitely check it out. Uh, and thank you as well for listening to this podcast and all the other ones that you may or may not have listened to. If you want to see more of them, like I said before, check out the, uh, the website. But yeah, that's all I had for you. Re recap out. Y'all have a good day.